Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Reporting as Eligible, Episode 9, uh, the Green Bay Packer podcast part, that is part of the MKE Tailgate Network. Um, I, I have neglected to mention, like, we're actually part of the, the MKE Tailgate Patreon um, too many times. So just so you guys know, if you're over there and you pledge at the $5 level, you get the mini podcast that I do once a week. Um, it's been really accurate lately. And... Um, the cowboy one should be especially good because we, you know, historically hate the cowboys for knocking out the Farf Packers so many times, uh, just for generally being kind of jerks. And um, it should be a pretty good match this week. So um, go over there, donate. You also get uh, JP Breen's minor league podcast. You can always check out the baseball podcast if you want to drown your sorrows after that terrible, terrible Brewer game this week. Um, <laughs> there are some good catharsis. Anyway. Um, I am, uh, JR is out this week because his real job has him actually covering the Brewers and he's um, out doing that. Um, so, um, as usual, uh, in Colorado, we have our usual co host. Yeah, my name is Matt, but you can call me Matub, and I apologize in advance if you can hear my daughter yelling. Uh, she does not want to take a bath right now. <laughs> well, who does? <laughs> I do that earlier. It was terrible. And also, um, subbing for JR this week, also out in Colorado, is. Wendy, hey guys. Mm-hmm. Wendy, thanks for joining <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, um, Wendy um, is one of our Acme Packing Company cohorts um, and uh, has been on the site for quite a while now. And it, I would say an invaluable contributor in terms of um, having people actually read like my stuff. So, <laughs> which otherwise <laughs> is bland and boring. So, um, thanks for that. So. Um, I think we can we can get started talking about the football game against the Eagles, which seems like it was forever ago at this point. Um, I, Thursday games are terrible. Like they, <laughs> once you get to Sunday, it seems like you should be playing again, which would of course murder everybody. Um, but it was it, not a crushing defeat, but not a great game, and a lot went wrong. Um, but they also so showed some good signs. The offense actually looked pretty good. Um, so, like the first thing I wanted to just mention off the bat is. Thursday games have a reputation for being just deadly, and this one was too. Um, the f- very first thing that happened from the Packers' offensive perspective is Jamal Williams was held up and just knocked unconscious and was carried off on a stretcher on a definite dirty hit by Derek Barnett, um, which was bad for all kinds of reasons. First of which being, like, you don't want to any you know see anybody carried off on a stretcher, um, and he was likely to get a lot of work in that game too. So it hurt them strategically too. Um, he's probably out for this foreseeable future, and um, Aaron Jones is not as good in the passing game. So 
Um, first of all, like that was that was a chippy game. Do you guys all have the same Thursday feelings that I do that we should not have that game then? Um, Wendy, you can go first. Game yeah, I've, I've always felt that the Thursday night games have been unnecessary, um, especially the last couple of years. I just, I don't know, it, it deters from what's happening on Sunday. And um, like you said, like it's just, it always turns out to be a hot mess. And as this last Packers game has proven, um, it was just, it was, it was crazy all over the board. Um, so I, I vote a hard no on Thursday night football. <laughs> No, I, definitely with you on that. And I don't know if the injury... I think the injury trend is actually a little bit real. It seems like it's been extra bad this year. And like aside yeah. from the, the Williams injury, which was a, just a catastrophic injury, um, it's likely the Packers won't have Devontae Adams for a while, who had to leave with turf toe. Um, Brian Bulaga, who gets hurt a lot, got hurt in this game as well. David Bakhtiari missed time. And the Eagles had plenty of injuries on their side, too. Um, there was someone else carted off on a stretcher in this game as well. Um, I'm neglecting to remember right yeah, now. Yeah, but that was... That was Sendejo's fault, the make football violent idiot. It was, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of that this yeah. weekend, actually. Um, that's true, but it's still, you know, bad injury on a bad day. So, um, and, so oh. for, it's, it's kind of funny because, I mean, you and I were on this podcast last week, and you had convinced me that Jamal was probably the better choice at running back. And then, by the way, I, goes, I started him in fantasy, so I, I, I put my money where my mouth was. Uh, but yeah so it was it it, it was awful to see and honestly anytime that there's an injury that could be avoided is rough anytime there's an injury that could be avoided on a thursday it just makes me unreasonably angry yep Uh, completely agree like it's already a dangerous enough sport playing it on that short of rest like if if baseball had a rule that starting like there was one starting pitcher every once in a while who had to pitch on three days rest like that wouldn't be allowed. That like the, no. the union would kill that immediately. It's it's in a sport this dangerous. Like not having proper rest time is absolutely ridiculous. There's no good reason yeah. for it. Yeah, I know they want to get like I know that they want to play on Saturday because they would have antitrust problems with college. I know that they like I think there's actually law prohibiting them from playing on Friday and Saturday until college season is over and high school season is over. But like Thursday is just too early and. Like it's actually kind of a chore to watch. So <laughs> Okay, so guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a baseball question here. All right. Oh oh wait, yeah. can I can I like, <laughs> I feel like we break should, this down? Mark, we so, should have a regular segment where Matt asks a baseball question. So you yeah. you yeah. mentioned yeah, it's it's gonna go along with uh Andy Schaff mentions Yep. Hey, there and, we're done, we got it. Woo and describing a meme. So oh if you have a promising young pitcher who has known elbow problems, uh-huh. and you make him throw 125 times? Is that a bad idea? Are we talking about Kerry Wood? Yeah, <laughs> so the, the, the Kerry Wood story of his 20 strikeout game shows up in my YouTube recommendations like once a week. Well, th- I mean, that is a, a, a there's a bit of a bad rap there with with overusing those Cubs pitchers, but Kerry Wood was definitely overused, and I don't think it was 125. I think he threw something like 160 pitches in that game. So it was well. Sweet George Brown. Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me. It was way more than 120. It was it was like 160. So, um, yes, yeah. that was. You should not do that. It's a bad idea. Um, <laughs> who's to, who's to say Kerry would, wouldn't have gotten hurt anyway? But yeah, that did not do um, wonders for his career. Ah. So yeah. Anyway, other sports don't do this to their athletes, but football does it, and it's bad. So they should stop. I know it's a big money grab. I know that they don't like getting rid of games that exist, but. 
it's just terrible. So, um, have you seen um, Pat McAfee's suggestion for lengthening the season? Um, no, no. So he um, on his podcast was talking, and apparently the the players' association looked into doing this, where you only do uh, two real preseason games. Okay, and then the third preseason game, you're required to start nothing but roster bubble guys, and it is expressed explicitly to the fans. And ticket prices would also go down, um, saying that this is basically a, a padded scrimmage for guys that are going to be high school level replacement. And then uh, you make the season uh, 17 games that count and add an extra bye week. So then it's a 19 week season. Or, a, yeah, 18 week season. 18 weeks, yeah. Okay. Hmm. I mean, that seems reasonable. I, didn't they? Uh, I should look this up. I think the NFL used to have two bye weeks. And I actually don't know why they don't do that. It would give people rest and, you know, give them still TV revenue from yeah. 18 weeks of football, even if there's not a game for your specific team two of those weeks. Also, move the Pro Bowl to after the Super Bowl. Or yes, do- thank you. Yes. <laughs> it should, yeah, do that or, or to cancel it. But yeah, move it after okay, the Super but, Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was such a weird all-star game in a sport where people just get beat up. Uh, it's not like yeah. an all-star I think bringing back the skills competition and having those relays and stuff makes it worth watching. It's yeah, I like all those and like same thing with the NBA All Star Game. Like those are also really good. Um, I would be fine with just that. It would like I, I miss the long throw from quarterbacks. That used to be my favorite in the eighties. Like watching Cunningham and Trader duke it out. But um, yeah, oh, yeah, I those are that. those are names that I recognize. Well, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm old. Um, just so everybody knows, in the 80s, uh, Jay Schrader, who was the Raiders quarterback, um, had the strongest arm and would always win that competition, even though he was bad. Uh, and it made him, like, when the Raiders were, like, the super popular, like, rappers wearing their gear team, um, like, kind of made him popular. Like, strong arm guy for, like, the really cool team, even though he was kind of terrible. So, um, Jay Schrader, briefly, um, kind of famous. Um, not Not anymore, but, yeah, fun. So, they had speaking, Bo Jackson too. So. Speaking of things that are terrible, let's talk about the Packers special teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it's been bad uh, a couple weeks in a row. Um, adding insult to injury, Trevor Davis scored a 60-yard touchdown in his first game away. Um, yeah. But uh, this is the second week in a row where um, they've given up a, a very large kickoff return, and it's hurt them. It led directly to points. Um, and this seems to be a pattern. I think we all thought we were past it, right? Like with... Well, yeah, when they when they fired Zook and hired Michael Chiklis, I was a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the commish. Okay, I still don't know. I still don't know our special teams coach's name because I just he's Michael Chiklis. There's no. <laughs> I, I, I actually, That's fair. That's off the top fair. of my head, cannot rattle it off either. You know what? It's. <laughs> I'm going to know it now because I'm going to look it up. And if I know the special teams coach's name, that's a bad thing for the special teams coach because they only show up when they're messing up. Um, Aside to that, yeah, um, I used to work in the appliance industry in research and development. And in the appliance industry, there's an interim known as a white good. Um, and what a, a white good is, is something that you only notice when it screws up. So uh, prior to Nest completely disrupting the market, oh, yeah. thermostats were considered a white good. Because you didn't think about it until it broke. Yep. Um, I think a special teams coach should should be the white good of the team. Pretty much. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean Men- Menenga was the special teams coordinator. Hey. All right. 
I, now, now we have to now have to learn how to say it. Um, <laughs> I totally you know what, butchered though, it. Uh, <laughs> to, to continue the trend of names and jobs, I think that that is a good special teams coach name. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I don't know if it's quite as good. No as one knows Zook. how to pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I also, I, I don't think it's entirely his fault. Um, two reasons. One is uh, J.K. Scott's been really good, and punt coverage generally yeah. has been really good. Um, and I do think Mason is slightly at fault for this. I mean, blocking, obviously, tackling is too. But a, a, a stronger-legged kicker would kick more touchbacks than he does. Well, a uh, Mason Crosby three years ago would be kicking more touchbacks. Yes, you would. And yeah. you, know, you know who would kick more touchbacks is Sam Ficken. <laughs> <laughs> True, but also <laughs> at least Mason still usually makes his field goals. Um, but yeah. that is a problem. Um, yeah, so um, it's a problem. It it cost them points. It sort of cost them the game a little bit, but only a little bit. Um, anyway, um, let's 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 talk about more optimistic things. Offense looked pretty good, right? Um, Impressive game. Aaron played, I think, his best game in quite a long time. Um, the only the running game didn't work, but we didn't really expect it to. The Eagles are very good at stopping the run, um, and the passing game really, really looked good. Um, uh, so, who are you guys most impressed by on offense this week? Uh, let's take Devonte out of it because a obviously he was the most impressive, and b he's probably not going to play next week. But aside from him, um, how many favorites? We don't know that Demonte won't play next we week. We don't. Eric Dickerson sent him pictures of his feet. <laughs> Inspiring. You, you, were you privy to that? that no. No. <laughs> so, uh, Eric Dickerson, um, once it was announced that Devontae had what was expected to be turf toe, uh, Eric Dickerson said, I had turf toe literally my whole career. My, I think it was his trainer, came up with some insert for his shoe. And he's like, he's like hit me up. I'll send you some pics. So then I retweeted it and said, Hall of Fame running back wants to send toe pictures to Devontae Adams. <laughs> Very nice. I think we'll count that as the meme. Um, you know, Eric, yeah. Dickerson, Eric Dickerson was a Packer for uh, almost a Packer um, at the very end of his career. They actually uh, traded for him, and he failed his physical, so he never got to be on the team. Who? who okay, so who was more, Eric Dickerson the Packer or Frank Gore the Eagle? Um, Frank Gore the Eagle, just a little bit. Well, because he was a he was an eagle for it was an entire plane ride, right? Yep. Whereas, um, yeah, Phil Physical never actually on a team. But anyway, um, Matt, any favorites from the game in terms of offensive performances? Um, well, I mean, I thought. Uh, uh sure. I thought Aaron Jones did a a much better job than I expected out of him being thrust into the into the situation where he was, had to run against literally one of the best rushing defenses in the league. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, as it, it, it was I, outside of Aaron Rodgers, like going back to doing Aaron Rodgers things. Yeah. Um, no one really stood out. What do you think about Jimmy? What? I mean, Jimmy. Jimmy's, Jimmy's, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I've got, we are dog sitting. <laughs> and uh, his name is Kevin. He's very loud. Um, yeah. This is definitely the ambient noise podcast so far. Yes, it is. That's all so, right. um, Jimmy's Jimmy's out and up that was supposedly um, not planned, but also planned was impressive. Um, but other than that, like I don't, 
I don't know, like, like no one really, like Jimmy wasn't terrible. That's all we can really say about it. Damn it, Kevin. <laughs> he he was less Jimmy than he's been in a while, um, but I still I don't know I'm uh, like I, I I think I think I was telling you guys earlier I I've had so much hope for him in this year um, I want him to do well so badly and he has these points where he does these incredible plays and then he just slumps he, there's no consistency so I'm waiting for that yeah kind of the same way um, and I. I do think he's looked pretty washed up. However, I did see one thing in that game that... Um, so I think that game was okay for Jimmy. He looked covered for a lot of it, but he you know muscled his way to a few balls. Um, he, he had a pretty impressive set line. You know, um, Aaron Negler actually posted this, and I agree with him. Um, the Geronimo Allison touchdown at the end of the half was intended for Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham was open on it. He actually got he got open deep, and he was wide open in the end zone. Um, and Geronimo just happened to run a route exactly in the same area, which isn't great, and snagged it before it got to him. So um, you can make a good argument that he should have an, uh, another thirty yard touchdown on top of what he put up, which would have made it for you know a very very good day. Um, he did drop a few balls late that Aaron forced to him, but he was covered, and um, you know those are hard catches. So what are you going to do? I do worry a little bit that in the Dallas game, if Devontae doesn't play, that Aaron's going to force a whole bunch of throws to Jimmy Graham. He does seem to trust him more than everybody else, and he really does seem to be a safety blanket. Um, I, yeah. I, I think it's good Allison caught a few passes so that he actually maybe earns a little bit of trust going into next week since he's going to have to play a bigger role. But um, I think that was actually a decent step up for Graham and maybe a sign of a little bit better things to come. Hopefully, <laughs> they're going to need so, him to, frankly. It, it's funny that you mentioned safety blanket because my first thought was, yeah, he's easily blanketed by a safety. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hilarious. Um, <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, if you like our podcast and would like a similar experience talking about baseball, um, you should make sure to check out the entire MKE tailgate Patreon at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. Um, you can go over there. You can listen to the baseball version of ours with JP Breen, Ryan top and Steve Garchinsky. Um, JP does a mini podcast, much like I do halfway through the week. Um, sometimes just about what he's thinking, sometimes interviewing people. It's uh, sometimes about the Brewers minor league system. Um, those guys do a great job covering the Brewers also from sort of an analytics perspective with, you know, the sort of normal fan base stuff mixed in as well. So um, we're all a team over there. Um, if you uh, join up the Patreon at the $5 level, you get the mini pods. Um, if you do the $10 level, yeah, the ship has sailed on the, uh, the fantasy league for the year, but uh, we'll have some, you know, additional bonuses in the future. Um, we'll of course do fantasy leagues as the time goes on and we'll try and get some more bonuses out there too. But uh, any, any support you can throw away is appreciated. We, we do benefit from that. It helps us keep going. Um, we have some, some nice equipment and stuff that we like to have to make this all sound pretty good. Um, and, um, it helps support us and, and keep everything going. So, um, please, uh, go over there. Um, you know, uh, check out the actual site there. And of course on iTunes, wherever you listen to these things, please rate and review us. Please give us high reviews. Um, please give us the, the whole five star thing. It really helps the podcast land on other people's radars to go up those rankings and whatnot. So, um, 
Anyway, we appreciate all the support. It's been really good so far. Our uh, listenership's gone pretty consistently up, and uh, you guys have been great in terms of questions, uh, feedback, and things like that. So um, thanks to all of you again for listening. Check out both podcasts, both Reporting is Eligible and the MKA Tailgate Podcast, and we will see you again later. So, um, so um, <laughs> uh, Matt, Wendy, was anybody on the defense actually impressive to you guys this week? Anything to actually highlight? Well, Wendy, you can go first. Oh, Wendy. That's Wendy. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think I go with Blake Martinez. He um, seemed to have, he, he really carried the defense um, this past um, this past week. I don't know. I, I just, I think this was the first time that the Packers actually had a good offense that they faced. So I don't think they were expecting it. I think that the Eagles came at us and kind of knew what we were going at. Um, so they were more prepared than I think we were, um, which is obviously too bad, but, um, yeah, I, I think I'd go with Blake. I mean, he had some solid tackles and, um, I don't know. It was, it was good to see him kind of do his thing. Cause he's been, um, kind of in the background for a while. Yeah, that's true. And you can always count on Blake to be at least solid. And yeah, um, I, I do feel like he gets short shrift a little bit sometimes with mm-hmm. um, like Kenny Clark and Lowry playing in front of him. Like he has the easy job. And those guys didn't do a very good job this week. They were getting blown off the ball occasionally, especially on running plays. And Blake still got there most of the time. So I would agree with that. Um, I think he's one of the only highlights we had on defense. Uh, Matt, anything different? Uh, no, pretty much that. Um, so I'm looking over the stats right now. Incredibly surprised that uh, it was a pretty good game in terms of total yards allowed uh, because they only allowed Joe Flacco lo- yards. So it's actually funny. They allowed 161 yards for, to Joe Flacco so, and 160. Hey, are you looking at Wentz. the right game? I think so. Because Joe yeah, Flacco doesn't uh, play for the Eagles. <laughs> no, I'm saying like like the Broncos, they allowed 161. Oh, like okay. the Broncos. Okay, gotcha. So they allowed 161 passing yards Got it. by Joe Flacco. They allowed 160 passing yards by, by Carson Wentz. Reigning or uh, uh, MVP, except he broke his leg, uh, Carson Wentz. <laughs> um, and the, so they allowed fewer rushing yards than they did against uh, the Vikings, and they allowed one fewer passing yard than they did against. Uh, the Broncos, which if it were not for uh, a turnover, that should not have happened because that player should not have been on the field. Yep. And a bad special teams uh, kick return that allowed them to start in field goal position uh, or field goal range. Honestly, that was the Packers game to lose. Like it was, it, it should have been a blowout and there was a, like a 21 point swing and, and stuff. So as much as, the defense didn't really look like they were doing well against the rush and Wentz seemed to make plays when he needed to. I think that the defense did what they needed to win and they were just let down by a couple small things. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I think one thing on the not being able to stop the run, um, they're really hurting personnel-wise at that sort of big nickel spot. Um, Will, Red- Will Redmond was on TV a lot and he's not good. Um, he's their third string safety at that position, and he's just not cut out for it. Like that position is supposed to be Oren Burks, who should be back this yeah. week. Um, failing that, it's supposed Oren to be Burks. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> failing that, it's supposed to be Raven Green, and 
the Eagles are really good at exploiting things like that. And they did kind of what the Packers would like to do themselves. They went big. They played a two tight end set with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz and dared the Packers to either go light to take away the pass or go heavy to take away the run. And the Packers never went heavy. So they ran and ran and ran and they got a tight end um, singled up on Redmond and they picked on him and picked on him and picked on him. They, they went weak length. You'll notice Nelson Aguilar had, uh, I think one catch, maybe no catches. Um, that was Jair Alexander chasing him around, and they just ignored him. They used him as a decoy, um, kind of like what the Packers used to do against the Seahawks with uh, Devante, and um, uh. just picked on all the weak links. Um, they're a frustrating team to play against. They do a lot of smart things. They did a lot of like the the sabermetrically correct things in going for two and quarterback sneaking, um, which by the, quarterback sneaking on fourth and one is like a 90% success rate. And it's weird that more teams don't do it. And just when you get to the Packers at the end with the fourth or the you know four downs at the one yard line, like not even like trying that once or run once is kind of infuriating when you see the Eagles do it so easily throughout the whole game. So um, I hate playing the smart teams. Fortunately, Dallas isn't one of them, which is one of the only good things um, about playing them since they're oh, they're good otherwise. Um, I. I, I kind of agree. The Packers kind of outplayed them and just got a little bit outsmarted. So it's kind of too bad. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's still early in terms of new coach. And oh, man, get who was it last week? This guy I know. He was like, I really hate picking against the smart team. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, was that you? <laughs> yeah, it was. And I regret it even I did, more I right heard, now. I heard that, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do it again next week. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're not smart though. I, I think I think I actually probably will pick the Packers against the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are a little overrated, but we'll get we'll get there in a bit. Um, oh, uh, I mean, if if we can jump to the Cowboys, I, I do have some things to add there. Okay, yeah, go for it. Um, just this morning, I was talking to my friend uh, Dalton Miller. He writes for Blogging the Boys, the uh, uh, Cowboys uh, sister site to Acme Packing Company. Okay, um, and. He is legit worried about this game. Like he's he's usually I'm not going to say like optimistic, but he's usually pretty real about his analysis. Um, he personally thinks that Zeke is not the amazing threat that he was in 2016. I would agree with that. Um, he says that. Uh, here we go. Uh, here we are on October 2nd, 2019, still trying to say that Zeke is the best player on the team, or that he's the straw that stirs the drink. Um. So he he personally doesn't think that Zeke is is like the amazing person he was before. He also thinks that, um, I can't find the exact tweet, but he thinks that Jair is going to completely blank Amari Cooper. I think that might be true. Um, Jair has been good at blanking people. And um, so the Eagles were smart to kind of decoy him out of the game. The Cowboys can't do that as much just because they don't have as good of passing weapons as the Eagles do. Um, that's 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 a good sign for that. Actually, that's pretty astute. Um, I think that is where the Cowboys are overrated, and that passing game, I think the Packers can shut down. So, um, I, I'm on board <laughs> oh, with that. Well, so I, I in his in response to his concerns, and I said, uh, I said, well, you're going to be facing the. I think the Packers were 27th in DVOA uh, against the rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, well, you're going to be facing the 27th ranked DVOA rush defense. You'll probably do well to run Zeke 40 times. And he sent me his, he sent me a screenshot of, I swear it's like that Trubisky meme where oh, his yeah. tight end was 10, but it was, it was like a running lane and there's just, there's just uh 15 yards of empty space and Blake Martinez, and Blake Martinez. standing there. Yep. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, yeah, they were like, you know what? Blake's got it. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he was not by the way. 
<laughs> he wasn't. None of that one. No, he was not. Um, so that's that is two memes that we have now. Yeah, uh, we've yeah. discussed. We've knocked it out of the park there. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, and uh, just a quick update on that game as of today, at least. Um, it, it looks like so. I don't think Devontae will play it, and if he does, I think he'll probably be hobbled a little bit. That turf toe tends to linger. Um, I'll be shocked if he actually plays. It looks like Montrevious Adams is going to play, and that is a big upgrade also um, for playing a team like the Cowboys, who are very run-heavy. He is one of their better run-stoppers, and if he does play, he'll probably get pretty heavy action. Um, I I guess Bulaga is still a bit um, questionable. For real, I bet he misses that game, too. People keep asking questions about Alex Light, and Matt Lafleur keeps deflecting them, which means he's probably going to play. So Bulaga probably. Would you say that he is refracting them? He's refracting them. <laughs> he's breaking oh, them into so all bad. of. So bad. So <laughs> bad. Because it's Alex Light. Because <laughs> it's Alex Light. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm, do you remember that beer I was drinking last week? Yeah, you're you're like ten percenter that you were pounding during the podcast. Yeah, I accidentally. <laughs> Actually, threw this down during the pre-show. So oh, I'm, smart! I'm a little giddy. That's all right. <laughs> it makes it better. Um, all right. So um, I think kind of covered the Cowboys game there too. Um, have do you guys have predictions for it? How do you think we're going to do? Honestly, I'm worried. I <laughs> I don't I don't know. I I was more worried about the Cowboys game than the Eagles game. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be. It's gonna be interesting. I'll I'll just put it at that. I think we'll win, but not <laughs> by very much. I think it's gonna be like a ping pong game, ping pong match. All right, Matt, what do you think? Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers owns Gerald World. Uh, <laughs> the fact that we saw the return of Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things um, means that we're going to see more of that. I don't think that Jason Garrett. I'm sorry, <clears throat> Coach of the Year winner. Jason Garrett. <laughs> I don't believe that he is smart enough to overcome his deficiencies. I think we're going to see some good old-timey football and uh, the Packers are at least the slightly smarter team in yep. that they will know how to adjust. And I, do, I don't think that Montrevious Adams is going to be like the tipping point, but I do think that there will be a phenomenal improvement in rush defense yeah. between the tackles. Burks might play too. If they get both of them back, I think that helps a ton. So, okay, so now I got to, we'll continue this discussion, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to be looking up Burke's athletic metrics versus Zeke Elliott's athletic metrics and we're going to see how they stack up against each other one-on-one. Yeah, so uh, I think the Cowboys are significantly overrated. They have played an absolute trash schedule so far. They've, so they got, they played the Giants, who are good now, but they played them with Eli. Um, before Daniel Jones took over a quarterback. And that's a totally different animal than what that is now. Then they played Washington, who is one of the worst teams in football. And then they played Miami, who is the only team that's worse than Washington in football. (laughs) Miami, if you haven't seen Miami's... So everybody knows Miami's tanking, um, and they're they're awful. They're, like, historically awful. They're one of the worst teams in NFL history, which is good, because they had the undefeated team, so they should have, like, the worst team in NFL history. Um this team's going to go own 16. They're not going to beat anybody. And so a win over them means nothing. So, so it's actually, it's funny you should mention that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about taking Washington in my survivor pool this week. Why? 
Um, because they're playing the Dolphins. Oh, that's a good reason. I still wouldn't do it though. This is <laughs> their only chance. That's what worries me. Like, yeah, so, this is so, this is Miami's so far, only chance to win a game. So far, I have survived by only picking people who play the Dolphins. <laughs> you should not <laughs> do know. it this week. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Zeke ran a four four seven. Oren Burks ran a four five eight. Okay. Um, which within, you know the within seven yards of the line of scrimmage isn't going to be terribly noticeable, especially because Oren Burks has a 131-inch broad jump and Zeke has a 118-inch broad jump, so you can expect more explosiveness out of Burks than Zeke, like from a jump or okay. from a right. from a standstill. So I do think that, that Burks would make a significant difference in the sideline-to-sideline coverage of the run. All right. Um, makes sense. Like it? Like Burks? So... I'm doing reason, a thumbs up. I'm sorry, you guys can't see. It. Yeah, good thumbs up. It's it's a it's a not a visual medium, but that's fine. Um, the the other reason I, I think the Packers will win this is I, the, there's been some decent signs of growth out of Matt Lafleur. Um, like I, he did some things I don't like in the Eagles game, like um, kicking a field goal. Um, on <clears> the two. red zone execution. Red zone execution <laughs> in general was very bad. Um, uh, but um, it, just in terms of like high level things, the Packers. Uh, so. We do this thing, um, stat people, where they judge the appropriate times to throw, appropriate times to run, inappropriate times to throw, inappropriate times to run. The Packers throw when they should a lot. They're actually like the best in the league at it. That's something that they definitely look at behind the scenes. It's not just you know Aaron freelancing. Um, and while they did run Aaron Jones into the line pointlessly too many times in that game, for me, for my taste, other teams would have done it more. So um, their ratios have been good. And they're definitely paying attention to like data from above, which I do like, even if they're still a little bit of chickens about certain things. Hopefully that'll change with time. It's one thing McCarthy was good at. He was aggressive in those situations. I kind of missed that about yeah. him. Um, so um, it, I think they'll win. I'm going to pick them to win. Um, I think they'll win by like a touchdown. I, I kind of think Dallas are frauds. You can't quite tell that because it's early and... You know, even if you play garbage, they've still beaten garbage, and that's what you're supposed to do. So, kudos to them for that. Um, but uh, I, I think that they're going to end up being a little more disappointing than people think. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants and Eagles both rally to kind of put them down at some point. Uh, so, that that I kind of look forward to that. I do hate the Cowboys, um, one of my least favorite teams. Um, they suck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, we had. Uh, we had one question come in um, that I want to take aside from the other questions, um, and I'm getting back to the thing right now um, about um, about what EPA is, um, and because I reference it a lot on here, and it is definitely wrong with this. This is yeah. This yeah. Is, Pardon me, guys. You can you can go get a beer or something if you want. Um, I'll keep it I'll keep it kind of short, but. Um, so EPA is kind of the, the football analytics, um, stat of the day, and it's actually a pretty simple concept. So I'll just give a quick rundown. I, t- I talk about it a lot. I reference it a lot. It's the basis for ESPN's QBR stat, which I don't like, and I'll try and touch that a little bit, but, um, so EPA stands for expected points added, and uh, we were bound to have a dog on the podcast at some point. Um, no, you both uh, don't worry about it. Um, expected points added just means this: a bunch of smart people figured out from all of the different yard lines that you can be on, in all the different downs you can be in, in all the different um, you know first and X's you can be in, um, you are 
likely to score a certain amount of points from all of them. Like, from very close to the end zone, from like first and goal from the one, you're going to score a touchdown most of the time. So um, your expected points from there is going to be close to seven or close to six, you know, something like that. Um, if you're at your own one, it's likely to be negative because you're probably less likely to score than you are to actually punt or have a turnover. So all EPA does is take the state, how likely you are to score when you start the play, and then how likely you are to score after the play and subtract the later one from the former, and that gives you the EPA for the play. So if you hit a 40-yard pass and you were expected to score two points before it, now you're expected to score six points, your EPA was four points. It, that's really all it is. So um, it's a simple concept, but that underlying uh, model is where it gets a little bit wonky. So... Um, Yes, you're expected to score these points at certain points of the field, but obviously teams and defenses are very different. Um, and in some parts of football, your goal is not actually to score points. It's to control the clock. It's to um, to just have successful runs that just waste time. Um, there's lots of places where EPA is a little bit weak in terms of a metric. But like that said, over the course of a season, it's very predictive. It correlates with winning a lot. Um, and it's also readily available. Um, it's on Pro Football References site. It's a little wonky if you get it from there. Um, they, they list out the points before and points after. So to actually calculate real EPA, you have to do the subtraction yourself. Um, all of the anal analytics guys who use it get it off of um, NFL Scraper, which is a little complicated to use. But um, you, can, you can actually go see it, and it's not that hard to, comp to actually pull down. But um, it's the, the basis for a lot of advanced stats. Like I said, QBR uses it. It's definitely a part of DVOA. Um, and it's useful, especially for quarterbacks who are such a big part of every play, that it tends to correlate with their play pretty closely. Um, you'll see a lot of rankings of quarterbacks on, in terms of like EPA per player, things like that. So um, that's what it is in a nutshell. Um, it's it's we used to talk about like WPA, which is win percentage added, which is a stat we use in baseball a lot. Um, that's uh, more contextualized in terms of like clutch. Um, it goes up as as you get closer to the end of the game and things get tight. EPA is not. EPA is the same all the time, first quarter through fourth quarter, um, and. Now, that's really all it is. It's just uh, a measure of how many points more you've made your team likely to score. It, um, this is the basis of kind of the we don't like running um, group of people too because run plays generate less EPA than pass plays do. That's why I mentioned points not always being the point. A lot of run plays are designed to waste time, um, control the ball, things like that, not to actually generate points. They're probably more valuable than EPA gives them credit for. But um, that's really what it is. So here EPA, all it is is you were likely to score this amount of points. Now you're likely to score this amount of points. What's the difference? That's EPA. So um, now you know when I use it in the future what it means. Um, and uh, you guys, um, is Matt's back from getting his beer, so that's good. I think and, Wendy is. And it. knowing is half the battle. And knowing, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can splice in the G.I. Joe thing there. Um, but uh, shall, shall we move on to the question segment? Sure. I mean, so we did we did get um, one request from a uh, Patreon supporter and overall very good commenter, Jason Albert, requested if we could lessen up on the Madden references. Um, so I would like to talk about my Madden franchise for just a second. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> oh, okay, so this is actually kind of serious, semi-serious. It's, it's more funny than anything. Um, my, my quarterback is very, very good as all Madden uh, face of the franchise quarterbacks are. But I'm now in the 2022 season with this character, and the way Madden handles the future is incredibly interesting. Um, because 
computer-generated players tend to be pretty bad. Uh, for example, the running back that was drafted in the second round for the Broncos, the team that my character plays for, um, was a 69 overall, but had superstar, um, superstar like progression. So he could be really good very quickly, but he's so terrible that like anytime you give him the ball, he's going to fumble it. Um, so it it makes players play longer than they should, and it also makes them bounce around the league a lot more than they should. Um, so in the in the 2022 season for my Madden franchise, uh, Blake Bortles is currently the quarterback of the Falcons. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the Chargers. As long as it's not the Packers, that's fine. Right. Uh, the Chargers picker is Randy Bullock, um, also known as Fat Randy. He's on his like third team now. He used to play for the Texans. Yep. Now he for the Bengals. Um, so that would be his third or fourth team if he played for the Chargers in 2022. Um, Baker Mayfield dominates the league. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, Brissett is the quarterback of the Saints. Um, Deshaun <laughs> Watson is the quarterback of the Steelers. Um, okay. Marquez <laughs> is the number two option in Denver. Oh, okay. It's been quite a lot of action. <laughs> Free agency is much more exciting in your Madden League than it is. I know, right? And <laughs> uh, last but not least, after three consecutive Coach of the Year seasons, uh, Vic Fangio retires and Jason Garrett becomes the head coach of the Broncos. Yeah, that sounds plausible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So the Madden handles the future in like an incredibly weird way. And it makes me want to not um, simulate because when I simulated before, you end up with just like no name players and and no name people. But like this, playing through the the season, I really want to see like what awful things happen to the league. <laughs> uh, that's. I noticed I did, I did not say his funny name once. Uh huh. Good work on that. There we go. <laughs> it makes you feel better about the current league. It really does. It really does. It all makes sense in the current league. It could be so yeah. much more insane. Okay, we can uh, do reactions now. No, Sorry, Jason. I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jason. Uh, so, um, Jerry Eldred, whose current Twitter name is Muppet Total Recall, which is excellent. Um, and a lot of people asked a version of this question. So, um, is the run defense bad due to schema or players? And are they actually bad at tackling, or is the entire NFL bad at tackling? Um, so, um, anyone who want to take a crack at that before I do? Because I definitely have an answer to that. Paul, you are so riled up. I just I want you right. to. So um, uh -huh. it, they're bad because of all uh, both scheme and players. So they have they don't have the players that they need to be good on run defense. Um, and like I could say they should have kept Mike Daniels, except he's out right now, so he wouldn't help in this game. Um, but they definitely prefer to be run on than passed on. But they definitely don't prefer it to the extent that it happened on Thursday. So um, yeah, they need to get their players back but scheme wise they do sort of want to lull you into running it's actually true that that's the case that is part of their scheme they want to go light and make it tempting for you to not pass um what they lack though is the players to actually make that effective they should like if you're gonna if your players don't give you the versatility to actually run that defense you need to sub more for the situation and yeah you might get caught up once in a while but they were just getting pummeled so uh, it it's painful because it looks just like the capers defense and it, to some extent it kind of is like Penn's defense is not that different from capers defense in the grand scheme of things they both did that they both prefer to tempt you into running they're very turnover dependent um it, it's it's 
kind of annoying. <laughs> I, I wish it was, but but it is. They'll be better when they get people back. When they have Brooks and Adams back, they may still get run on a bit, but they're not going to be the worst team in the league at it. They'll probably be middling, and that's good enough. So, it's scheme and people, and yes, the entire NFL is bad at tackling, except Adrian Amos is very good at it. Yeah. Tangential question. Yep. Uh, how would the exact caper scheme play out with this squad? That's a good. That is a good question. I wish somebody would. Okay. Um, I asked that question. I just asked that question right now. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> uh, like honestly, with this talent level, I think that this would be a pretty good campers defense. Um, when he had good talent and got takeaways, they were usually tops in the league or close to it. And at least their pass defense was good. So. Like I think he would be fine with this personnel. I, I'm not sure Petten makes a huge difference with with this talent level so far. Uh, anybody disagree? No, I mean that's that's probably my answer. Okay. Honestly, yeah, fair enough. See, look, Wendy, Wendy's just like me. She's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. Um, so, um, let's see. That's a run defense question. And uh, just to to uh, JD, yeah, I, I think Montrevious Adams will make a big difference. So. You asked the same question. Um, let's see. <laughs> so uh, from uh, Jonathan Deal, um, lots of ref talk over the first three weeks. Is it worse when a big play gets called back because of a ticky-tack call or when it's allowed because of an egregious non-call? Um, I-, I think those are equal, and they're both painful. Um, I wouldn't put one over the other. Uh, I think some people kind of like like to let the play happen and prefer that. But if it's against the rules, it's just as bad. Um, so I get bothered by egregious non-calls just as much as too many flags out. Um, I think you should call the game, even Stevens, all the way through through the end of the fourth quarter. And I'm annoyed by all of those things. Um, <laughs> when do you have a preference on what sucks more on, in terms of uh, too many penalties, not enough penalties, plays getting erased? Uh... You know, I think they're the same, uh, but to that effect, um, I kind of wanted to talk about the refs and how the flags have been, I don't want to say disproportionate, but they have been a little disproportionate for backers this season. And I guess just across the board. Um, I don't know. It it seems like they really don't know what they're doing. Um, so that's kind of been my biggest hang up over all of this. Um but I would say, yeah, they, they're equal to me. Yep, I think that's good. And I, I do think there is definitely a lot of, like, with so many things being reviewable, it really impacts the quality of the refing on the field, just with not being confident in the decisions they make. Uh, everybody likes to see them let plays go, and, and, you know, replay can fix it after the fact. But that leads to bad officiating, because letting it go is not always the right call, and they get scared to make the right call sometimes. Um, that's example. happened... A ton. I personally think that the Kansas City scoop and score yep. at Brashad Breeland, um, I don't think they should have let that play out. I think it should have been blown dead. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the replay angle didn't show enough of a clear overturn. that uh, So it sounds kind of dumb because that would give the Lions pretty but, much guarantee the win at that point. But, but that's the problem, though. It, 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 it lets the... It it puts the onus on that that extra level of um, review that you need to actually have to overturn it, right, and and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I think that that should have been blown dead. I don't think they should have let that play out. Yeah, and I responded to Jonathan on Twitter. I said, "Your situation is: Would you rather be slapped in the face or punched in the gut?" Yep. Like they're both awful. They yeah. they suck in different ways. 
and I wouldn't want either of them to happen. So mm-hmm. maybe this multi-billion-dollar company should find a way to fix their refing instead of having to rely on spider cam. The pass interference adjustment it makes it even worse because uh, it's I think pretty clear by now that on that on those calls that Al Riveron and company have an agenda in terms of how they want to handle reversals there. And it's just confusing. Like nobody knows how to deal with it. Um, it, They, they seem to randomly overturn like a tiny amount of them. And I I mean, did, did you guys actually see the, uh, the comparison between the interference that was committed on, on MVS and the actual like um, graphic they have for how they're supposed to review pass interference penalties. It, the the comparison was like it was like two Madden animations. Like it's it was the same thing twice. Well, yeah, it was. They they had like the exact same picture, exact same interference, and um, it it was like text literally literally textbook in terms of how it was committed. It was part of the textbook on how it's supposed to be called. Uh, yeah, so that is a disaster. Literally, <laughs> literally but, you're so, but, well, so you, you don't get to use literally. literally correctly that often. But this is a case where you actually do because it literally was. All right, next question. Next um, question. <laughs> let's see. Oh, um, from from Joe Rasmussen, um, who I believe is in the Fantasy League. Hi. Um, I remember last offseason, there were rumors tying the Packers to Allen Robinson before he signed with the Bears. Then the Packers signed Jimmy Graham instead. Do you think they were legitimately involved on A-Rob? If so, why didn't they get it done? Um, I think they're probably interested in everybody. Um but Alan Robinson, if people remember, had some baggage coming into the, that that signing. Um, he had suffered a, a major injury with Jacksonville. Um, and I, I know that scares people away on receivers. So they were probably interested. Um, I do think that he's very highly paid. He's one of the Bears' highest paid players um, in terms of salary cap percentage. So I doubt they were willing to go above what the Bears gave him. Um, and... I mean, I mean, I I don't really care for the Jimmy Graham signing. Um, I think that's a lot of people agree with that at this point. Um, but I would not have given Allen Robinson what the Bears gave Allen Robinson. And if I'm not going to do it, the Packers certainly aren't going to do it because they're more conservative than I am um, by a, by a large amount. So um, he's turned out to be a good signing for the Bears. He's kind of their whole offense to some extent. So um, like kudos to him for it, but. Um, he's very expensive um, for a receiver with question marks. His next contract is probably going to be pretty lucrative too. So good on Allen Robinson for making good. Well, so I mean, what I remember was Packer fans were up in arms when he didn't sign with them when he signed with the Bears, and then the Bears were like, "Ha ha, we got Allen Robinson, and you didn't." And then his contract numbers came out, and Packer fans were like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm good. I'm yep. good about <laughs> that." Like, yeah, he he's literally like only Mac I think makes more. Um, than Robinson and that year this year that might not even be true so um I'm I'm not going to spot track that real quick because I'm the one reading the questions but just know that he makes a whole lot of money um all right Uh, this next question that I I really like I I don't want you to skip it but it doesn't have a name associated with it I was gonna okay the um uh, looking for quality literature on finding advanced analytics for football um, I have a sizable math background, but haven't properly read any materials on analytics. And I'm curious. Thank you. Who is that? Uh, someone in my Twitter DMs that I was going to do on the mini pod, but uh... <laughs> oh, you're going to do that on the mini pod? Okay, you know, listen, what? listen to the mini pod, and Paul Co. So my answer, um, 
I, I, I have no answer for best way to find literature and analytics, but I can always recommend books on how to watch football, which I think helps a lot. Yeah, go for it. Um, Take Your Eye Off the Ball, I think, is the number one book I always recommend. Um, that is a, both good advice and a good book. Yeah, so, the, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's, if you if you want a book that is incredibly descriptive in just the title, uh, take your eye off the ball is like how do I think the subtitle is like how to watch the game within the game. Yeah, um, it will make you a better football fan. Like like seriously, it's twelve yep. bucks. Go buy it. And um, the, Jeremy Penn asked the question, by the way, so I'll give credit there. Um, I'll, I'll I'll do more depth on the mini pod, but um, the 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 best one. So I don't know if it's the best one. The first one is The Hidden Game of Football, which is by Pete Palmer, who wrote The Hidden Game of Baseball, um, which is sort of the, the first good analytics book on football that I know exists. And then there's not like a Moneyball or even like a Baseball Prospectus annual out there. I would recommend picking up the Football Outsiders annual every year because their explanations of the stats that they create are quite good, um, just in talking about what they focus on, what they've determined is important and not important. And, and it's, it's a good read from just a team perspective and like a, a player assessment perspective as well. Um, most of the good literature out there is actually just on the internet um, at various places. Um, the, the 538 guys uh, are, are very good, as you would expect. Uh, Josh Hermesmeyer and uh, Ben Morris. Um, Justice Mosqueda is always worth a read. Um, and uh, Ben Baldwin, who writes for The Athletic, uh, he can be a bit abrasive at times. Um, he is definitely in the mold of the old-timey uh, baseball sabermetrics person who is just a high and mighty person about um, how much more they know. Um, so Ben does that to, a little more than I would like, especially has a thing about Aaron Rodgers not having a good EPA, which set me off today. Um, but Ben's stuff is worth reading. He is uh, very smart, and it's very well-researched. He used to write for Field Goals, um, the SB Nation Seagulls, or Seagulls, Seahawks site, um, and he does do a very good job. So um, th- those are the, the base ones that I would focus on um, to, to get acquainted. But uh, I, So I'm looking over my, my bookshelf right now. Um, I, outside of, um, <laughs> outside of take your eye off the ball, the only football, uh, books that are even tangential are, uh, playing for pizza, <laughs> which is a surprisingly good rom-com when, book. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, um, uh, John, is it, it's not Stein. Like it's a famous author. It's like John. It's on your shelf. Go look. John Epstein. Uh, no, it's like Steinbeck or something. Oh, John Steinbeck, yeah. Wait, it's by John Steinbeck? Of, of Mice uh, and Men? <laughs> no, it is uh, John Grisham. That is very different. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was like, I was like, what's another? So uh, Playing for Pizza is about a um, uh, European, like NFL Europe level quarterback who uh, gets hurt and goes to Italy and plays for next to nothing and destroys this Italian league. It's it's actually pretty good. Um, I also have Gunslinger by Jeff Perlman. Highly yep, recommend. It's that's about a good one. Bre- it's about Bret Hart. I got that it, too. Not paint him in a very good light. Yep. It's very honest. And um, quarterbacking by Bart Starr. So <laughs> I learned everything there is to know about quarterbacking in the 1960s. All right, Wendy. Do you have any football literature recommendations? Oh gosh. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I have a lot of baseball books, <laughs> um, but no, no football books. Sorry, guys. No, that's okay. Um, 
just out of curiosity, um, what 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 would you recommend baseball wise? Because I could use oh. a new baseball book. Um, so I have one, um, and it's, it's almost sacrilege to say, uh, but it's all about the Cubs and the history and, um, just kind of how, um, that whole franchise came to be, um, which is incredibly fascinating, even though I detest them with a passion. Um, (laughs) I can't remember what it's called. Um, and then, uh, I have another one, um, that was actually written, goodness, I'm totally brain farting right now. Um, but it was all about pitching and, um, how like the human body is basically you should be not, or you should, it should be physically impossible to throw a ball 101 miles an hour. Um, but it's just, it talks about all of like the physical attributes to pitching and hitting and it's, it's really cool. So (laughs) I geek out on that kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking at my shelf. I do have a baseball book. It is called Throwing Strikes by R. A. Dickey. Oh man, you, you have R. A. Dickey's book? Yeah, I, oh. I got it. At, I got it at the Dollar Tree. <laughs> uh, that's so. That's a that is a good book. Um, and knuckleballers are fascinating um, for a lot of reasons. So um, uh, R. A. Dickey gifts are very like mesmerizing and relaxing. If you ever need to calm down. Just, just Google that. Um, watching knuckleballs in slow motion is the best thing. So, um, to me, it's infuriating because I'm, I'm a big physics guy, and once you, once you lose the rotation and everything just kind of goes to shit, it just bothers me. It's, like on a, on a core level, it, it, it is a, a little freaky. Um, but it, I, I just like how smooth it looks when it's not actually ro- rotating. So, um, let's see. We got, I think we got two more, then we can uh, we could probably call it a day um, after brief fantasy update. Um, let's see. Um, oh, um, Ryan Ziegler, I currently sit at number 8,036 on the club seat waiting list. Will I have enough time to get tickets prior to Rogers retiring, or will I be stuck with the next Zeke Bratkowski? Um, he added some context later about the pace he's been moving up the list, which has been actually kind of fast. Um, about 2,000 seats a year. Um so the only way that you move up the list, for the most part, well, there's two ways. They make the stadium bigger or people die. Some people give up their seats, um, but it's pretty rare. Just they're still good investment, if nothing else. So, I, so I, one thing I have noticed, yep. I'm, I'm on the list for two tickets, and I'm like number like 30,000 or something. Okay. So, um, I did the math a few years ago, and I'm expected to get my tickets sometime around my 59th birthday. Okay, uh, but if you are on the list for one ticket, you move up the list astronomically quickly. Okay, um, so if if Ziggy is over there looking for one seat, uh, there's a chance that he could see the death rattles of Aaron Rodgers' career in person. Yeah, I don't think he's quite going to get there. Um, just because I don't think there's going to be too many more like, big expansions that happen in the, ne- the recent, fu- you know, near future. They've had a couple of those lately that have caused some major runs up the list. Um, but that it's going to be close, but I don't think he's going to make it. So sorry. Um, but I, I think you're going to be, cl- you're going to, you're going to be the first person on the, who do you think the next quarterback will be after Aaron? Tua. <laughs> Tua? I think Tua. Um, probably not impossible we'll say you, you'll, you'll be the start of the Tua era era so what if i mean what if it's josh rosen it won't be he's not good what josh rosen is that who i'm thinking yeah for the dolphins josh yeah. rosen 
I think Josh Rosen is a lot better than he gets credit for. And I think he is going to, because he is now heading a second tanking team, he's going to get a third shot somewhere and he's going to do well. I think he's yeah. going to have like an Alex Smith level rise. <laughs> Meteoric I, kind of. He's, he's, he is going to scream into the top 12. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. L- last question and then we'll, we'll take her home. So, um, this is from Jay Google. Um, how will Dexter Williams be used this week? If Williams, if Jamal Williams can't go, which he won't, he won't go. Um, is there anything interesting he can bring to the offense? So, uh, would one of you like to go first on Dexter here, our rookie, um, who did not? Matt is ducking out of the way. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll go first. So, um, Dexter Williams is an interesting prospect uh, in terms of his athletic measurables. He is almost a clone of Aaron Jones. Uh, they have they're very similar in terms of mock draftable comparables. Um, he is very athletic. He is, of course, a late-round pick like Aaron Jones. The difference between them is um, Aaron Jones was pretty good at a lot of the little things when he first came up for the Packers. Needed to work in pass pro, needed to work as a receiver, but um, Smart picked up the playbook really quickly, was you know right there. Um, Dexter Williams had some problems in preseason. He famously got chewed up by Matt LaFleur um, for not pass-blocking properly, um, had some other off-field issues that actually had him on uh, as a popular player to not make the team. Now, talent ended up winning out there over um, the little things, and he is a talent. Um, but he's not a great fit for replacing Jamal Williams, who is a little things guy, um, a good receiver, a good pass blocker, um, and you know a decent running back when you need that. Dexter Williams is definitely a like a, a more of a flashy, like he might get you some big chunk yards, but also stuffed. He might do some stupid things. He might miss blocks. So he brings that sort of big playability to the table. He's like an Aaron Jones, a little more unrefined, but he's kind of a clone of what they already have, just not as good. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Danny Vitale get more reps this week in Jamal Williams' role with a, a week of practice to actually kind of pre- you know work on what he does. Um, He's, he's more of a natural fit for that. He's more of a, a Jamal Williams kind of player. He is a decent blocker. He's actually a pretty good receiver. I mean, that's all he did in college. So I don't think you'll see Dexter Williams hit the field. I think he'll be a special teamer. He'll be out there making tackles. If they get burned again on special teams, it might be his fault. Um, but he prob- if he's playing on offense, it means something has probably gone terribly wrong. Um, so that that's yep. Dexter. I brought up uh, Dexter Williams spider chart and uh, his number two halfback comparison is Aaron Jones yep. at 80.7%. They have a type. Um, his next comparison is 80.2% former Minnesota Viking Doug Chapman. Oh, I remember Doug Chapman. Um, and then coming in slightly after Doug Chapman is, you might have heard of this guy, uh, Alvin, uh, Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Yeah, he's, I believe, Aaron Jones' number one comp. So Yes, Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara com- compare very well. Um, but if you go over to the athlete, I think this is interesting. He compares ninety nine percent with Mike Thomas, aka can't guard Mike. The the, the Saints receiver. The Saints receiver is a ninety nine percent athletic match to Dexter Williams. Huh. Um, Doug Chapman, when you look at athletes, is the best comparison as a halfback. He also compares favorably to uh, the quote unquote inventor of the nickelbacker, Dayon Buchanan. So. All right. Um, 
yeah, he's a he's a linebacker wide receiver hybrid playing halfback. All right. <laughs> nice. Thanks for vamping while I pulled up the fantasy scores real quick. There um, you go. Uh, Wendy, do you have anything to add on Dexter Williams' athletic profile? Uh, well, I, I kind of agree with Paul in that I don't think he's going to see a lot of playing time. Um, I selfishly hope that Vitell kind of steps up um, in Jamal Williams' place just because I am starting him in my fantasy this week. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm hoping. I mean, he's he's an incredible player, and I don't think he's gotten enough showtime this season so i think this may be his his one breakout role or, i see you know. what you did there with the showtime that's clever <laughs> I, I wish he'd get more run too just because i do think he is like what they look for in that tight end role um is more what vitaly has to offer than than what a lot of the other guys on the roster do so i i i keep waiting for him to get more run and i thought he would last week but um this week i think it might actually happen with williams out Hopefully so. Um, all right, so let's let's wrap this up. So um, uh, I won this week. I, I beat Mister um, Putscarby five dollar foot long, one hundred and thirty nine to seventy four. Woo, that's brutal. Um, that's uh, a beating. That is a, that is a beating. Um, let's see. Epstein's Island defeated David Putty. Um, oh, Steve went down. Uh, oh, t- Top and Steve played. So um, R.I.P. Fart McDuty uh, handily defeated Andy Schaff mentions one hundred fifty five to one hundred twenty six. Um, as it should be. Matt, you won. Good job. You're two and two. Uh, you beat Closet Surprise. That's Jay Rasmussen's team. And former future Badger Brissett destroyed is Haha Elite. That's E coming beating Jay Google. So um, let, we should actually look at the standings really quick because um, there actually is a prize in this league. And um, let's see. Standing, standing. Well, league. Here now, we go. That now that I'm a 500 team, yep. I plan on, on trying harder. Because I I would very much like an excuse to buy an NES. <laughs> well, uh, you're you're tied in fourth with a bunch of other people, so um, I am I'm winning right now. Um, I'm in first, yay me. Um, but I'm tied with both Epstein's Island, that's Mike Menzel, and Badger Brissett, that's Eric Cumming. So, um, those guys are pacing the board right now, and uh, they're the ones to catch. Let's well, I'm only I'm only one game behind you, right? Yeah. It's there's only been four games. Everybody's with and I'm only one game behind you. And who who yes, won? Yes, our, you have the tiebreaker. It's very annoying that you have the tiebreaker. Yes, <laughs> that's correct. Uh, Just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I hope we play each other again so I can avenge that loss. Okay, um, but uh, I think that that will do it um, for this week. Um, the the mini pod will be out um, probably shortly after two, just because we're a little late because the Brewer playoff game delayed uh, recording uh, by a day. Uh, and gee, aren't we all glad we waited for that? Um, but uh, as you so um, first of all, Wendy, thanks for joining us. Um, anything? Yeah, thanks, guys. Anything you want to plug or, or mention in terms of um, upcoming stuff or? Um, just be sure to follow Acu Packing on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's where all the, the fun stuff happens. All right. Uh, Matt, how about you? Uh, I mean, as always, I, I plug things that I'm working on and then never finish them. <laughs> so, um, no need to go, stop now. Yeah. Uh, it's been, it's, it's been a rough few weeks at work. Um, just follow me on social media. If you like Packers memes, follow me on Instagram. If you like pictures of a toddler doing toddler things and uh, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> so I, I will. I will both plug um, Jr., who I believe we'll have back next week. Um, 
who is been, has been covering the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel and actually been you know, on location doing it and doing a fantastic job of it, digging up a, a bunch of cool stuff. Um, he is, of course, at the Journal Sentinel. Follow him on Twitter, Jared Radcliffe. Um, and um, I will have my, my recap and preview of next week's game up on Shepherd Express, um, I believe, tomorrow. Um, I may have an Acme Packing Company article up on Friday, although we'll see how schedules permit. Um, and, of course, the mini pod will be up um, the day after this runs. So um, keep an eye out for that. And um, thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Uh, go Pack, and the Cowboys are terrible monsters. Okay. <laughs>